Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 2 tells us to lift up holy hands. Notice what it says in addition to that, without any wrath, anger, or doubting. Lift up hands right now, holy hands to a holy God. Whatever it is you need, it's in His presence right now. He's already provided it for you, so go ahead and receive it in His presence. Come on, with holy hands, lift it up right now. Receive healing into your body. Respond to it by thanking Him that He's healed you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. His financial blessings, He's already provided it. Glory to God. Relationships restored. It's already done. And so, Father, holy hands are lifted up to a holy God as an act of surrender and submission to your will and to your way. We're getting out of the way, and we're allowing your way to manifest and be true in our lives. God, you are holy, and your Son has perfected us and made us holy. And it gives us right to stand in your presence and to come before your throne with boldness to obtain grace and favor and help right in our time of need. And so, Father, we thank you that every need that we have is supernaturally met. Everyone that believes that gives God the best praise that you possibly can. Come on, come on, open up your mouth and give God the best praise that you can. Come on, you're not trying to get blessed. God has already blessed you. Glory to God. Come on, you're not trying to get healed. God has already healed you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Wonderful praise and worship today. Would you find three people, and I just want you to encourage them today. Tell them there is a champion inside of you. Tell them that. Tell them like you mean it, too. Tell them there is a champion inside of you. Excellent praise and worship today. Praise God. Lit my candle this morning. Now, what's that champion's name? You all didn't say that like you mean. I said, what's that champion's name? Jesus. Right? And because he wins, guess what? You win. Praise God. I want to encourage everyone today that's watching uh, via Facebook Live or Periscope to follow along. You version Bible app. Go to the events section and follow along with the notes as well as anyone that's in the, or everyone that's in the building on today. Uh, I want to encourage those who have not taken step three, connect to purpose. Man, what a great day to do that, especially after you hear the message today, to find out how you're wired. Then let God put you in the best places where your wiring will be the greatest blessing to yourself and the people that you serve. There's nothing better than waking up in the morning being excited about what it is you're getting ready to go and do, whether that's on your job or your service in the kingdom, understanding your purpose will help get you to that. And then I want to let everyone know as we're heading into the Thanksgiving and Christmas season, we're going to have serve projects like we did back in the summer, uh, in the month of July, throughout the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. So there'll be more information shared about that at the end of service as well as online. We want to make sure that we get involved in our community and the community and the lives of our people uh, that are members of Linked Up Church and help them and be the greatest blessing that we can throughout this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Now, we're going to pick up today. We're in a a series, and it'll be several weeks on it, entitled Grow. And today we're going to focus on growing in virtue. And again, it's never, I've never heard a, a message on it because it's really not something that we talk about a lot. But it's so important to our faith that Peter said by the leading of the Holy Spirit that we have to add to our faith Virtue. So if virtue needs to be added to faith or faith has to work in conjunction with virtue, would we all agree that that is important to God and our development and our growth and our relationship with him? Would everyone agree with that? All right, let's begin to look at this. Let's go through our introduction today, which is really things that we've already talked about up to this point. So we won't spend a lot of time, but we know that growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ requires developing a Christ-like character. At the end of the day, day, he saved us to be like him. That's the highest goal of our salvation is that our lives look just like his. 
It involves eight graces, but these eight graces must work in conjunction with each other. And we read that 2 Peter chapter 1, 5 through 8 says that, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith, we're going to talk about that today, virtue. To virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Then he said, if these things are yours and abound or increase, you shall neither be barren, which is unproductive, nor unfruitful. Your life will not lack fruit in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, it involves all diligence to abound in these eight graces. He says, for this very reason in verse five, giving all diligence. How many of y'all know this, this will require effort on your part outside of coming to church? Coming to church is the start. I mean, you've got to give effort to this all week long. You've got to give yourself to it and be diligent about it for it to be true. In verse 8, he says, for these things are yours and abound, then you'll neither be unproductive or you won't lack fruit in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number four, we saw that the spiritual construction project begins with faith. So it starts with faith, but the next thing he encourages us to build is this word virtue, and we're going to look at that uh, again on today. We learned that without faith, it is impossible to please God, and so we're not going to be gratifying to God if we're not coming to him, believing that he is who he said he is, and that he will increase us in the area that we're coming to him about. But remember, there were two different Greek words there. Believing is, is passive. Everyone believes something, right? But faith is active, and so faith responds to what it believes. We've already talked about that. Faith is the catalyst, number six, to make, make uh, all things possible, or the catalyst making it possible for us to grow. Number seven, but developing a Christ-like character does not occur by faith only. So you remember a lot of times what we've been taught is all you need is faith, right? How many of y'all have ever heard that before? Believe it or not, that's not all you need. It's what you need to start with, but you have to add something to it in order to walk in the fullness of everything that God has for you, right? So it's not all that we need, or he wouldn't have said add to faith virtue, right? So it's not by faith only. Number eight, to, uh, to faith, we must add virtue. And the word add, let's not forget in the Greek, indicates that these two must work together. So we need to understand why virtue has to work with faith in order for faith to work. And we're going to learn that and look at that today. So upon the foundation of faith, to grow in the knowledge of Jesus requires that we add the quality of virtue. Now, we're going to look at seven, diff seven different areas today, and I'll do my best to try to get all seven in today. It just depends. We'll let the Holy Spirit lead us today, okay? Number one, it's rarely used in the New Testament. It's really not used a whole lot in the New Testament. Paul uses it once in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. We all know that. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, notice what he said, if there be any virtue, and we'll look at what that word means today. If there be any virtue, if there be anything that is praiseworthy, he said, meditate upon these things. So he uses it there. It's also used four times. Peter uses it four times. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Somebody say, yeah, he's talking about me. All right. Somebody say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Yes, you are. I mean, I'd rather be chosen by God than anybody on the planet. Praise God. Royal priesthood, as we sung today, a holy nation, his own special people. Somebody say, I'm special. So many times we go through life feeling like we're not special because we're connecting that to whether or not I'm in a relationship, whether or not I'm married, what's going on in my life. Listen, you're special because God chose you. And listen, if you're on God's team and God chose you to be on his team, you can't be more special than that. You cannot get something or receive something that will make you be more special than what he's already made you. Say it about yourself again. Say, I am special. I am special. 
See, so that you may proclaim the praises. That word praises there is the same Greek word, arit, which we're getting ready to look at uh, here shortly, which is the word virtue, translated virtue in other places of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then 3 and 5 says, as his divine power, Second Peter chapter 1, 3 and 5, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge, this was interesting, of him who has called us to glory and virtue. And so this is a part of our calling, and you'll see this very clearly today. He saved you for this quality to exude out of you. It's in you. It just needs to be developed and exude out of you. It's a part of your calling. He called you to glory, and he called you to virtue. And then he uses it two more times in verse 5. It says, but also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and then you'll see it again to virtue knowledge. Uh, it's been verily translated uh, in our text. The NIV translates it as goodness. Uh, the NASB translates it as moral excellence. So he's talking about us really adding goodness and moral excellence to our faith. I mean, we have to desire to live right. So if you see what he's saying here, if we don't want to be excellent in our morals, our faith won't work. That's why faith by itself is not enough. We have to we want to be excellent in that faith, right, by growing in our relationship with God, and it's reflected in our life looking like Jesus. It's also explained, Wycliffe explains it as excellence. Uh, JFB, Jameson Fawcett Brown, explains it as manly excellence. I understood that when I actually read that commentary a little more. When you're married and you're ahead of the household, you've got to be the most moral person in the house. Uh, that was all ladies in here that said Amen. I said, when you are married and the head of a household, and if you're single, desiring to be married, you must be the most excellent moral person in that relationship. Because the house will go as you go. It means, according to Clark and Barnes, it means courage. It means fortitude. It means vigor. It means energy. After I learned what God said, then I'm going to have the courage and the fortitude and the energy to live it. That's virtue. The Greek word is arit. I feel coachy today. I'm going to go ahead and come on out of this jacket today. <laughs> the Greek word is arit. A-R-E-T-E. And this Greek word here, man, this blessed me so good. A.T. Robertson says that it is an old word for any preeminence, moral, intellectual, military. The Greeks use the word this way, to describe any mental excellence or moral quality or physical power, according to Robertson. It means to present a concept of excellence, watch this, in all phases of life. Mental, moral, physical, spirit, soul, body. This person finds out what God says, and they want to be excellent in all three phases of life. Spiritually, mentally, physically. They will not accept anything less than what God said about that situation. That's virtue. Virtue will respond to faith by driving and working and being diligent and requiring excellence and wanting to be exactly what God said they can be. What is our basic understanding? Number three, our basic understanding of virtue is this. It has the connotation of excellence or striving for moral perfection. Folks, if that is not the goal of our salvation, what are we doing? If we're not striving for moral excellence. The connection of virtue with faith is simple. It's this. 
We begin with faith, which is our confidence and our trust in God, but we must add the quality of virtue, the desire to excel and be strong in our faith. So, in other words, if God said, I can do all things uh, through Christ who strengthens me, virtue will come alongside that and do it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Whatever it says, if God said he'll supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, virtue will come alongside that and won't settle for nothing less than all of his needs being supplied according to his riches and glory. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. If you believe that God has healed you according to his stripes, by his stripes, I am healed. Virtue will come alongside of that and won't accept. I don't care if the report says something contrary. Virtue will come alongside of that and say, God said it. That settles it. And I won't let this go until it's true in my life. Come on. I need three people to shout glory to God in this place. So we must add the quality of virtue, the desire to excel and be strong in our faith. Virtue will never accept last year's situation. Virtue will not live two years the same. Just won't do it. If virtue loses one time, it's one time too many. Glory to God. It wants to be excellent. In all three phases of life. So virtue is the quality of striving for excellence in our faith-based relationship with God and Jesus Christ. That such a quality is necessary for us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. And this knowledge and this growth should be evident because when we say we believe something, when we say we're trusting God for something... Virtue will come alongside of that, and there'll be no other options on the table. There is no, I'm doing this until. I'm only in this. There's no but with virtue. Virtue says God said it, that settles it, and I'm going to be excellent in it until it's true in my life. See, see, faith will say, oh, no man, nothing but the loving. Right? That's what faith will say. But virtue will come alongside of that and will not borrow another penny until it doesn't owe any man nothing but to kiss him on the forehead and tell him that they love him. Glory to God. So you can see if you don't want to be excellent, faith by itself won't work. Our spiritual life demands virtue. It literally demands it. Without virtue, listen to this, faith will soon die. You didn't hear that. Without virtue, faith has nothing to live on. It's like planting a seed in soil and never putting water on it and still expecting it to grow. Go with me to James chapter 2. Without virtue, faith will soon die. If I never have this desire to be what it is that I'm believing, faith has nothing to work with. James 2.26 says, for I, man, it's amazing without a revelation of grace, I've never understood these scriptures the way I do today. Listen to what he said. For as the body without the spirit is dead. So in other words, doctors will tell you that whatever was keeping that body alive has left. And you know what they put on the toe after whatever was keeping that body alive left? Expired. I want you to listen to how strongly he's using that in in a comparison. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I don't know if you understand that. Because if your your spirit leaves your body, you are dead. If you don't have a response to what you believe, that desires to walk in what you believe is dead. The context that he uses this in, if you back up, you'll see he used Abraham and he used Rahab in the verses just prior to that. We don't have, we won't go back and look at them, 
But Abraham was not justified by what he believed. As long as all he did was believe, he struggled for 25 years. He wasn't justified by what he believed. He was justified by what he did. What did he do? He offered up his son Isaac. Right? Rahab the harlot was not justified by what she believed. She was justified when she hid the 12 spies. Are you listening to me? And so if all I'm doing is believing and I don't put the effort, desire behind that, come on somebody. If I'm not responding in a way that that my life looks like I actually believe I already have what it is I'm believing for, my faith is dead. So a lot of times I'm believing God for a financial blessing. How? And you don't give. Come on, folks. Come on. Get your head out of the sand. Come on. Stop that. That's a dead faith. I'm believing God for a man of God. Then why date someone that's not a man of God? That faith is dead. So when faith is joined by virtue, our faith will be dynamic because we want to be excellent in our service, and our example, and our representation of God. How many know he needs us to be him on the earth? Jesus got to a place where he would tell people, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't have to ask me to show you the Father because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So growing in the knowledge of Jesus requires us giving all diligence. And before we leave today, we're going to talk about what that looks like. It requires us giving all diligence, 2 Peter 1.5. But also for this very reason, see, giving all diligence means all my stock and effort is in this right here. And there are no other options on the table. You all might think it sounds cocky, but it's not possible for me to ever get a divorce. It's not possible. I don't know how you'll take that. I don't know how you, but I'm telling you, it's not possible because it's not on the table. Because if God says he hates divorce, then you better believe I hate it too. And so we've got to give all diligence to add to our faith. Put all our stock in wanting to be exactly what he said we could be. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. So whatever you've given up to that point, give more. To make your call and election sure. Everybody wants to know, what am I called to do? This is your first calling. If you figure this calling out and you master this one, you will figure everything else out in your life. You'll never look for a job because jobs will always look for you. You'll never need money because money will always find you. Everything that you need in this life, your supernatural God has already provided it for you. All you've got to do is grow in him. Glory to God. You're wasting time spinning your wheels, chasing stuff that you will never catch until you first catch God. Come on, I need somebody to help me in this place today. Then we must abound in these graces. So it's not enough to grow in them. We've got to abound. The word abound means to increase. Verse 8, 2 Peter 1, 8 says, For if these things are yours, the King James Version says, If they're in you and you're increasing in them, then you'll neither be unproductive or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You notice nowhere in this dissertation is it telling you you'll be unfruitful in your Mercedes Benz. Listen to me, folks. Grace is not a message. Grace is the gospel. 
And we're trying to live our old way in a new dispensation. See, that old way is you use faith to get things. Grace already knows that the things have been provided. I actually use my faith to grow in my relationship with God, knowing that he's already provided all the things that I need. Come on, you missed a good place to say amen right there. And we're so focused on the car, the house, the relationship. We're so focused on all of that that we're missing the number one main ingredient that we need in life is to use our faith to look just like God. And God has already released everything that we need to live successfully on this earth. And so we can't just have these. We've got to increase. We've got an abound in them. So when faith is joined by virtue, striving for excellence becomes the goal. See, when I put virtue with my faith, then I'm not stopping until I reach my goal. So if my goal was to be debt-free, there is no quit in me, glory to God. I might even have a setback, but that setback is a greater opportunity for a comeback, glory to God. Come on, somebody. And the setback will never define me because as long as I stay in God, come on, somebody. As long as I stay in God, my comeback is going to be so greater than that setback that you'll never even know that I had a setback in my life, glory to God. Virtue will come alongside this, and it has no quit in it until it walks in, lives in, and looks like what it believes. Diligent effort will follow. You'll see it in their effort. You'll see it in their commitment. You'll see it in their lifestyle. Abounding in these graces will be the goal of faith. I don't just want to be saved. I want to increase in my salvation, and I want everybody to see it. Come on, I don't want no testimony that I've been in church for 25 years. That's a wrong, that's a bad testimony. Be in God for 25 years, glory to God. Come on, my, my job is to make you less dependent upon any man, any woman, any pastor, any apostle, any bishop. Come on, somebody, and make you more dependent on God. So if whatever happens with them, nothing will change in your life, and your life will continue to increase because of your relationship with God. Glory to God. Don't ever say pastor said. No, God said. Number five, the importance of the word virtue. What's the importance of it? Listen, folks, the purpose or design of this word is to make us complete. It's the purpose of it, okay? It's to make us complete. It's to make us perfect. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I got to save something for the second service today. No, I'm not saving nothing. I'm leaving it all in this building today, glory to God. Carry me home, glory to God. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.16, the purpose or design of this word is to make us complete. Faith is not complete if it does not have virtue. You will just hear great messages, read great books, listen to your favorite speaker, hear your favorite lesson, and your life will stay the same and be dead until you come alongside that message, which is the Word of God. Come on, somebody, and say, I am going to apply this to my life, and I'm not quitting until my life looks like exactly what I believe. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, which means instruction, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man or woman of God may be complete. Your job doesn't complete you. Listen, I've got, I've got news for you. Marriage does not complete you. Marriage exposes you. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. If you were not already complete prior to going into that relationship, you're getting ready to see it every day, all day, 365 days a year. Marriage does not complete you. It exposes you. So that the man of God, woman of God, 
can be mature. They can be complete, perfected, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Doesn't matter what is presented in front of me, I am ready, not because of my educational background. Thank God for my educational background. But I'm ready because of my maturity in the Word of God, and I'm ready to bring God to whatever assignment that he puts in front of me. The purpose and design is to make us complete. If we'll give ourselves to reading and to meditating upon it. Go with me to Psalms number one. Psalms number one, if we'll give ourselves to the reading and meditating upon it, it must become our lifestyle. If the only time you hear the word is on Sunday, you are not winning. Did you all hear what I just said? Psalms number one, let's look at stanzas one through three. We got to give ourselves to reading and meditating upon it. It says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Be careful who you get your information from. Did you hear what I just said? One thing, as soon as I met Dr. Mike Freeman, the first thing that he said to me is he said, they use this word. He said, Doc, only hang around people who have your answers. Not your problems. So often we get in these little groups with people. They're giving us advice on something that they've never lived themselves. But they're a master of it. They're an authority on it. But it's not even true in their lives. But they're giving. Listen, stay out of that kind of counsel. You don't look down on them. You don't demean them. But listen to people who have your answers, not your problems. You'll find in most cases, people with problems will try to keep you away from the people who has your answers. Don't go to them. Go to them. Really? Always check the source. Listen to me. First thing I want to see is, is it true in your life? I'm not going to disrespect you, but I'm not following that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his word does he meditate day and night. He mutters over it, ponders, thinks about it, right? How does this work? How does this apply to my, it's important to this individual. Watch this. And that person is doing that day and night. Look at what their life becomes. And he shall be planted. Uh, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Well, what does a tree need to sustain it? Water. So notice the person that's making the word is his, his or her priority day and night. God's going to plant you so that you have multiple streams of increase coming to your life. Why would he put you by rivers? So if one dries up, there are multiple other streams to sustain you. Because life is cyclical. So one will dry up, but God will already have two or three other ones lined up to sustain you. That's the word of God that will keep you that way. By the rivers of water that will bring forth his fruit in his season. And his leaf shall also not wither. And I love this one right here. And whatever he does, if he tries to lose weight, she tries to lose weight, they, it, it, they prosper in that. They start a business, they prosper in that. They get married, they prosper in their marriage. They have children, they prosper in their family. Everything he does, everything she does prospers. It succeeds. It increases. And all you've got to do is make the word of God the priority. Get up in the morning and get in it. Then before you go to bed at night, go back over what you got in that morning. And then sleep on that and wake up and do it all over again. Before you know it, you've got income streams coming in from all over the place. You cannot be denied if you'll live this way. We'll grow in wisdom and understanding. Go to Psalms number 119. Psalms number 119. Let's look at stanzas 97 through 99. We'll grow in wisdom and understanding. 
Notice what David said here in 97 through 99. He says, oh, how I love your law or your word. It is my meditation. Now, David said all day long. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. Folks, this is not a negative confession, but you will always have enemies. I know we don't like that, but it's the truth. A lot of times the people closest to you have no desire to see you win. If you don't say amen, I'm going to park and stay right here for a little bit. Right? But you can ignore them because they can't be God. How do you recognize them? They're critics. You know what a critic's job is? To criticize. You know what a critic is? A fault finder. They never will find anything good in you, about you, concerning you. Come on, somebody. Because they're a critic. Show you what David said here. You, you gotta learn. I've learned, keep them close to you. So that when God does everything that he's going to do through you, they can have a front row seat to it. And then just smile. Don't say nothing. Everything they said you couldn't do, won't do, not smart enough to do, whatever they said, they get a front row seat to see God do it in your life. Come on, I'm shouting. I'm a preacher better than anybody in this building saying amen right now. Come on, you've you got to learn how to love your enemies. Come on, they lift you up. They motivate you. They encourage you. Keep telling me what I can't do so God can keep showing you what I can do. Come on, somebody. They can't even stop and smell the coffee for a moment. All the great stuff God has done at Linked Up Church, all they can see is what's, what's, what's not being done. You think I'm getting ready to let you steal my joy and and stop me from celebrating three and a half years of God's goodness, almost four years of God's goodness to linked up church? Sit your butt down somewhere. We own a building cash. When have you ever done something like that? We own a building cash. We're rebuilding the building cash. Come on, somebody. You're sitting up here talking about that is their job. David said, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all day long. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say God made him smarter. He said God made him wiser. Because in a lot of cases, they are smarter than you. But God will make you wiser. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. Why? Because they're relying on their smarts. You're relying on God. Oh, I'm about to jump. Man, I'm about to jump. For they are ever with me, David said. But look what he said. I have more understanding than all of my teachers. Why? Because your word is my meditation. So imagine, he didn't say he was smarter than all of his teachers. He said, I have better understanding. So in other words, understanding is the ability to do what I know. I understand it because I can actually do it. A lot of times, teachers know it, but they've never done it. And they'll lift themselves up. I can recall sitting in front of a person with multiple degrees. This is probably when our relationship ended. Of course, he was uh, minimizing me in certain areas. And I said to him, I said, in this situation, you were here when all of that happened. Only thing difference is God inserted two people. I was trying to get him to understand. Right? He continued to minimize. Can I say this? 
I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. I said, if you have a lot of information, but you have no understanding. Listen to this. And if you take these gifts out of here, you're going to see what level of understanding you have. I remember that like it was yesterday. Today, that person no longer even has that job. So it's not because they have multiple master's degrees. So it's not based off of what they've learned. They have no wisdom. No understanding. Learning means nothing if you don't understand it. Timothy says in the last days that people will be ever learning but unable to come into the knowledge of the truth. We are encouraged to think upon anything which contains virtue. We read that. We'll go by it in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. So now we understand what he's saying. If there be any virtue, if there's any moral excellence, right? Think on that. You see how our society is bombarded today with images that are not virtue. Trying to force you to think about stuff that won't add to your faith. So what he's saying, if it's excellent, if it has moral value, if it's going to help you get to the next level, think on those things. The value of a biblical example, number six. Let's come on down the home stretch. The value of a biblical example. Everyone needs a mentor, right? You need to learn how to find yourself in the scripture and then begin to model the person that mimics your life. All of my life, God has always told me to study two people, Joseph and David. Both of their lives have helped me understand everything that's happened to me. Joseph, when he shared his dream with his brothers, it caused them to hate them. Sometimes sharing what God is doing in your life is not healthy. Because the people you're sharing it with can't handle it. Nor do they even believe in you enough for you to do it. So as a result, they tried to kill kill it. And he ended up spending 13 years of his life in prison. David was crowned a king. But he was on the run from Saul for 13 years. So he was a king without a crown for 13 years. Folks, I left Michigan in 2005 with a dream of pastoring in Atlanta, Georgia. 2018 will be 13 years later. We will march in our debt-free building 13 years later from the time I left Detroit, Michigan. Come on, somebody. Understanding what happened to them has helped me deal with everything that hell, Satan, people, and everybody else has thrown my way. I said, if Joseph can stay, if David can stay, then I can stay too. Glory to God. And almost everything that happened to those two, I've gone through that. From being misunderstood. I'll leave it there. The value of a biblical example. Find yourself in the scriptures. Notice what Paul said here in Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. We're encouraged to emulate Paul. Paul said in Philippians 4, 9, the things which you have learned and received and heard, and the most important one is saw in me. Hearing it is not enough. You don't see that person living it, don't follow it. Listen to me. The first time somebody even said, I don't care whether it's true or not, if my name comes up in it, explore it. Investigate it. Especially if it's about money, the mismanagement of your funds, or if it's about the opposite sex. And I won't be upset with you. Explore it. Investigate it. Somebody say, he said this to me, investigate that. It's the first thing you should say, let's me and you go talk to him right now. 
That'll be the end of that. I can pretty much guarantee you that. Notice what he said. If you'll do that, these things do, and the God of peace will be with you. He said, if you've learned it from me, received it from me, heard it and saw it, do it, and the God of peace will be with you too. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Let's read verses 12 through 14. He described and displayed his own striving for excellence. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He says, not as though I've already attained or am already perfected. He said, I haven't arrived yet, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of, of me. Notice he didn't say that I may lay hold of my Bentley, that I may lay hold of a million dollar home. Listen, man, you can't take none of that stuff with you. Stop chasing that stuff. He said that I can lay hold of Jesus Christ. That's the goal, folks. Who has laid, laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, And I'm reaching and pressing towards those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal of the mark for the prize of the upward call in the suburbs in my gated community. (laughs) With my cleaning crew and my personal driver. It's amazing how we've made that the goal in church. You hear more people talking about what they have than who they have. You missed a good place to shout amen. amen. He said, I press towards the goal, the upward call, the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Let me coach you up a little bit this morning. Never consider yourself as having arrived. When you get to a place where you've heard everything and done nothing, shame on you. Never consider yourself to have reached it, have arrived. Don't remain satisfied with the spiritual condition that you're currently in because there's more. Admit that you have room to grow. Forget everything that's in your past. So what your first marriage failed? The one God is sending to you is getting ready to make you forget that you ever got married the first time in the first place. Come on, somebody ain't ready for that right there. Come on, so what you messed up in your past? So what? It's your past. Don't rest on your laurels, your past accomplishments. Thank God for everything you've done, but there's still a whole lot more to do. Listen, folks, the the building is just the beginning. Don't y'all get in there, oh, look what God has done. Thank God for what God has done. But start speaking to that 33 acres right next to it. I'm talking about when we had a grand opening. Shift right to the 33 acres. Come on, somebody. Then shift right to the strip mall on the other side. Come on, then get in your car and drive a half a mile down the hill road. Stand on top of that hill of 50 acres and say, God, give me my mountain. Glory to God. Never rest on your past accomplishments. Business manager is sitting right there. He will tell you, while coming up with a plan to finish the building, we also came up with a plan to secure the land and the strip mall. Say, well, Pastor, why would you already be thinking about the strip mall and the land? Because you never rest on your past accomplishments. You'll never grow. It's on to the next one. You lost five pounds, great, lose six. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. After you lose six, shout, give God the glory, then get right back on your program and go for seven. Glory to God. Don't rest on your laurels. Don't allow past mistakes to prevent future progress. You can either be past possessed or solution driven. You choose. 
reach forward to what lies ahead. Jermaine, you have not lived your best days yet. They're out in front of you, big fella. Take the sum total of every mistake that you've ever made and say, okay, if it's a battle you want, then it's a battle you're going to get. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. You've got to take every failure personal because you know failure is not in God. Keep reaching until you arrive. Look ahead with optimism. Don't be a pessimist. A loser will ever always tell you why something won't work. If we do that, then this might happen. But yeah, if we do it, this also might happen. That's an optimist. Be an optimist. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, somebody. You can be successful at 75. You can be more successful at 75 than you ever were at 35. When does quitting become an option for children of the king? Glory to God. Reach forward. If you're still alive, you should be reaching forward. Glory to God. Look ahead with optimism. Keep your eye on the goal. What is the goal? Got to have a goal to keep your eye on a goal. What is the goal? I loved your post. I loved it. She put a picture on, and, and she showed herself 40 pounds ago, and then 40 pounds later, glory to God. And then she put on there, but I still have 20 more to go. I, I read that, and I said, yeah, go, go get the 20 pounds, glory to God. Are you listening to me out there? Come on, entrepreneurs. Come on, business people. Come on. Keep your eye on the goal. If the goal is to get married, then stop wasting time with stuff that does not lead towards marriage. Press on. Then I love this. Never give up. 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 Never, never, ever, 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 ever. Never, never. I might be down, but I am not out. Come on, somebody. I will rise again. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. Never, ever, ever quit. Never give up. So what? You had a bad day. Today is a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Today will be the best day of my life. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not here yet. Let me get up today and be the best me that I possibly can be. Never quit on yourself. Never quit on God. Never quit on your marriage. Never quit on your children. Never, ever quit. Don't give up. That's not in us. We're not made from that kind of stuff. Develop this mindset and you will develop the arit, the virtue that our faith needs to grow in our relationship with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me forever, young. We don't retire. We refire. We remake ourselves. We reinvent ourselves. We develop new goals. Come on, somebody. We set new targets. Because if I'm not living, then I'm dying. Somebody 65 years or older ought to get on your feet right now and just shout and give God glory in this place. Stop sitting at home with a remote control in your hand watching all of your favorite shows. Come on, you still got a lot of life to live. Come on, get up. Exercise tomorrow morning. 
Do your stretches. Do your squats. Come on, somebody. Lift your weights. Read a book and go out and make something happen to the glory of God and show these young people that your ladder can be greater than your path. Come on, show us that God is not done with you yet. Come on, show us. Let's close. Virtue must be developed in our personal lives. Must be developed in our personal lives. What does that look like? Does your daily walk with God suggest that you are striving for excellence? You only know the answer to that. But does your daily, I didn't say your Sunday walk. Does your daily walk with God suggest that you're striving for excellence? Does it speak to the goal that you have in your life? And are you getting up every day and working towards that end? Are you seeking to excel in your relationship with God? Do you read his word daily and do you listen to him? Do you pray without ceasing? It's not talking about praying all day. Are you checking in with God all day long? Are you talking to him? Or are you just talking on Sundays? And that's not really talking. You're listening to a message. Are we seeking to excel in our service for God? Some point, I've got to get off the pew, I've got to get off the bench, and I've got to get in the game. I've been going to church for years, and I've never served. It uproots selfishness in your life. It says that other people are as important as I am, and I need to get off of my dusty, rusty, and let God use me to help somebody else's life be better. It's called Dream Team. We have the greatest dream team in the United States of America right here at Linked Up Church. Find your place in the body and start serving. God needs your gifts. He needs your talents. He needs your graces. He needs your abilities. And it's a sign that I'm no longer selfish. Are we determining and developing our talents? We have step number three today to help you figure out your purpose right after this service today. Get in there and find out what, how God wired you. And then get into the areas where you best fit because it's going to bless you and bless the people that you serve. But you've got to get off the bench. Especially if you're a male. Your family will never do what you say. They will only do what you do. Are we using those abilities in our service to God and to others? So if we've added virtue to our personal walk of faith, then our progress will be evident to others. You'll see it in my daily commitment in reading the word, my daily prayer life. It'll show up in my service in the kingdom. It'll be evident. It'll show up in my small groups because now I'm trying to help other people get their lives together. It'll be evident. These are things that can be seen, not talked about. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Last verses for today. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. You all getting anything out of this today? I just believe we made Satan and the kingdom of hell upset today probably why we haven't heard much teaching on this because see most people don't have this they have faith but they don't have that excellent spirit to actually walk out their faith most people can talk a good game but where I come from I'm not listening you got to show me what you're talking about where I come from, that's what you're getting ready to get back. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Matter of fact, if you're talking about it, it's probably because you're not really about it. Somebody say, I'm about it, about it. I went way back with that one right there, didn't I? First Timothy 4, 12 says, let no one despise your youth, but be in what? See, he didn't say talk about it, did he, minutes event. He said, be a what? 
What did he say? Be a what? Be an example to other believers, not to the world. To other believers. We need each other before we go to the world. Let's get our stuff right before we go telling them to come be a part of what, what I'm a part of. Be an example to other believers in word and conduct and love and spirit, faith and purity. Paul said, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to instruction. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, Timothy, which is given to you by prophecy, laying on of hands by the eldership. Meditate on these things, Timothy. Give yourself wholly and entirely to them. Why, Paul? So that your progress may be evident to all. Evidence. Do you have enough evidence? Come on, that's my pastor. Come on up in here, Apostle Price. Come on up in here. Is there evidence in your life? Come on, is there evidence? What you believe. The evidence. Because this is how people are going to treat you. If you're just talking about it and they can't see it, they'll never follow. Good stuff today. Come on, somebody open up their mouth and give God glory in this place today. Come on, somebody open up their mouth and give God glory in this place. Come on, stand up on your feet. Come on, open up your mouth and give God glory in this place today. Come on, say it with me by faith. Say, I have an excellent spirit on the inside of me. I desire to excel in all three phases of my life, spirit, soul, and body. I am the best because I serve the best. I am a champion because I serve a champion. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Nay, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to win. I've already won. Somebody split hell wide open in this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in conclusion, the Christian who adds virtue to their faith, to their faith will never remain static. The status quo will never be right for them. He or she will not be content with their current level of faith and service. Like Paul, they will desire to press on because they're striving for excellence. When a Christian adds virtue to their faith, they are more likely to add the other qualities. Wait till you hear the rest of these. See, that's why the order is the way that it is. They'll also desire to add knowledge and self-control and all the rest of them. The result is always that they are striving for excellence. And so to grow in innate grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, let us seek to add to our faith the quality of virtue. Let's lift our hands and thank the Father for what we heard today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My prayer for every person in this room is that there will, they will never be content with where they are right now. Hallelujah. Every, every person in this room will never be content with where they are. But they will closely monitor progress and see if increase is evident in their lives. Week by week, month by month, and year by year. They'll set goals and have measurables so that they can track their progress, all three phases of their life. I coached high school basketball, and 
We used to tell our kids we've got to be great in three phases of this game. Playing defense, number one. It's going to shock you. Offense is not one of them. Making free throws. Why? Because if you're playing great defense, you're going to get fouled all the time. Watch this. And making layups. Because if you're playing great defense, you're going to get fast break opportunities. If you get fast break opportunities, people have to foul you. They foul you, you go and you knock down your free throws. Three phases. God wants you excellent, spirit, soul, body. You should desire to look your best at all times. I'm done. God is so good. Look up here at me for a moment. If you're in this building today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. A read is coming along right now, what you've heard. Faith comes by hearing. Virtue just came along beside that to help you respond to what you heard and give you a desire instantly to be excellent in this. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't put off to tomorrow what God has convicted you about today. He didn't make it difficult. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the grave.